0: Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com
1: survive thrive stay alive it's time to get prepared with the prepping academy podcast
2: Hey, welcome to the Prepping Academy. I am Forced. We have Miranda and we have Kyle in the house tonight, and we're going to be talking all things medical and why medical training and equipment is so important. But first, let's see how Miranda's doing, and she got took some, some time off. Miranda, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing pretty good, just trying to get back in the swing of working after being on vacation.
2: And um, did you doing any, any prepping this week?
3: Uh, just been working on the garden, catching up on, uh, pulling some weeds while I've been gone.
2: Awesome. Awesome. And then we got Kyle, which he works in his yard like every day of his life and pampers his chickens. Kyle, how you doing?
4: I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah, I do pamper my chickens, but you know what? They are very special to me. So if I <laughs> choose between them, I would choose them.
2: Nice. Nice. That's, um, well, when I, sometimes when we've, well, we don't really ever FaceTime, but every now and then you'll take a, sh- a photo of a chicken on your shoulder, and that's um, that's going a little too far, don't you think?
4: I mean, you know, it's bonding. They provide me mm-hmm. with breakfast every day, so I figured the least I can do is give them a ride every once in a while.
2: Yeah. Well, Miranda, you, you have ducks, if I remember. Um, do do yeah. you let them to sit on your shoulder? <laughs>
3: I wish they would, but no, they, they run from me. I, uh, I end up catching one and putting a leash on it, thinking I could walk it through my garden to eat bugs. And that did not work out. It looks cute, but it did not work out.
2: Yeah. I tried that with my rabbit and that was, I, I think my rabbit almost died just trying to kick out of that and get away from me. It didn't work good um, at all. So I put him in a little cage, a pen in the yard. He loved it, but he does not like a leash around his
4: neck. So We definitely do a, uh, a podcast just on rabbits and chickens and ducks here in the near future.
2: Yeah, if we put them in a cage, who would win?
4: Uh, I'm going to say my chickens.
2: <laughs> Probably the chickens. Just because of their calls. I guess?
4: Um, no, they, they're actually pretty aggressive. So the breed that I have will, it, it's known for not being friendly to uh, newer animals being introduced. Um, especially other chickens, but they will—they will definitely peck something to death.
2: Wow, and ducks. they just w- red. W- really, they don't like red.
3: No, yeah, they'll they sit there not. if you have like a sore. They'll pick at the the red sore on another chicken or duck or rabbit. <laughs> ah.
4: Yep, yes. even one of my little uh, two-week-old ones got a got a little taste of blood the other night trying to go after me.
2: Dang. My rabbits would just sit in the corner and I don't know. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't do anything.
4: <laughs> the, sad, the sad thing is is now knowing that that, that baby chick got a taste in my blood. I, I ordered four hens, but since it's going to get that testosterone, it's it's obviously going to be a rooster now.
2: <laughs> mm. You at least act like one. I got you. I'm with you. So um, I want to let everybody know that you can find our website at preppingacademy.com and you can you know connect you can send us a message there we'll respond and it, and you can also you know rate us on iTunes and if it's not a five don't rate us don't waste your time we want five we love fives so fives are great and subscribe share it with your family friends and even people you hate and you could they might become your frenemy So, all things medical, and so one of us here is somewhat in the medical field, and um, Miranda, I'm sure you have some words about things we're going to say tonight.
3: Yes, we got to get that disclaimer out there first, that we are not licensed medical doctors, that anything you hear tonight, we encourage you to go and do your own research, make your own decisions, that what we're discussing is either things that we personally do or have read That has been published by medical doctors, professionals.
2: So we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not EMT. We're none of that. But you know what? We can pretend to be. Right.
1: Yeah.
4: I I (laughs) don't think I would trust you to be a doctor. Like, I don't even know that I'd really trust you to like put a bandaid on, but I mean,
2: come on, I'll be (laughs) operating on you, Kyle. I could save your life, man. Or would you no, rather
4: die? I'd rather die.
2: So if you needed it I mouth like to mouth.
4: You were, you, <laughs> if, I, if I got shot in the left leg, I feel like you'd amputate my right.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you, there's mistakes that are made. <laughs> there are mistakes that are made. But what, what if I was dying and I needed CPR, Kyle? What would you do?
4: <laughs> I would run as fast as I could to find someone to give that to you
2: nice that's 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 comforting that's that's why you're <laughs> not in my group <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know and
4: and just going back on that you were saying about you know uh doctors that we are not doctors but just remember that you know do your own research even whenever it comes down to the uh the everyday life not the shit hitting the fan um your doctor is practicing so keep that in mind whenever you're going for you know routine checkups testing Always ask for a second or sometimes yeah. even a third.
2: They're practicing. Yeah. What, what does it, what does that mean? Practicing. That means that they're just experimenting on us.
4: They are not experimenting, but it's basically like if you were going to be arrested by a cop, would you rather be the first arrest or would you rather be number 250?
2: Well. I don't want to be arrested at all, but I guess the 250.
4: Yeah, because, you know, number, the first time is going to be a little scary. They might accidentally pull their gun or, or, you know, pull their taser and tase you. Well, Kyle, you you know a
2: lot about this. No. (laughs) No. Yeah, you do.
4: I've never (laughs) been pulled over
2: yeah Like,
3: excuse me officer how many arrests have you made (laughs)
2: yeah yeah, before we go any further can i see your 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 wall or whatever you call it your your credentials on your your arrest okay yeah yeah so so we're not medical experts go ahead
4: i just say if you don't have at least 50 i i can't step out of the vehicle yeah yeah
2: So we're not medical experts, but we do know a lot about medical because we've done training, we own the tools, we I mean, as preppers, we feel like it's a requirement to have the right equipment, the tools that we need, even if it's band-aids and have some basic training knowledge as well. That's just that's just not even preppers, that's just being a good citizen and a good parent and a good brother or sister or son where you can help family members or people you love or even people you hate because i know that kyle would help me i do know that he would he says different but i know he would hey let's take a quick break
1: has your data been hacked do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online Were you involved in the target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered, from fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques. We're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at preppernet.com privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar, Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. Sign up now at preppernet slash privacy. We'll see you there.
4: Yeah, see, it's not hate you have to worry about; it's indifference. Indifference.
2: Great. <laughs> well, I hope Miranda's around. She can. She'll. She'll help me. Um, so she. But well, so, I was
3: just kind of thinking he might pee on you. You know. You are on fire, or something.
2: <laughs> pee on me? Are you talking about? Oh, yeah, the,
4: <laughs> if you were on fire, I would pee on you.
2: Oh, great! Thanks, man. How about if I got stung by a jellyfish? The Friends episode? Would you would you peel my leg?
4: That actually doesn't work. I'm afraid I just have to shoot you.
2: Oh, oh right. great. <laughs> I like the decision making you're making already. You know, it's just oh yeah, just we got a problem here. Uh, because,
4: unless, unless we need it to be quiet, then it'd be a knife to the back of the head. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, you know, I don't think we have to worry about a zombie sort of situation. Just just don't scream if you get stung by the jellyfish.
2: True. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just can't let you know or you shoot me. Great. That's How about if I get a hang yeah. now? Shoot me?
4: <laughs> no, you, I'll give you a pair of tweezers. Oh, okay. Okay. Good.
3: <laughs> so. All right. Well, let me wrangle you guys back in because yes. medical can be the number one prep for some people. You know, we always say a mag or. Water, security is the number one prep, depending on who you ask. But for, you know, somebody can't go a day without their medications, for them, medical is their number one prep. Or if they have an accident and they're bleeding out, medical now becomes their number one
2: prep. That is,
4: true. That is absolutely true. And, you know, I actually just seen a story today where they were talking about uh, Walmart was going to make basic insulin cheaper, so it was more affordable to those individuals who really needed to get it that were low-income. And And they already have
3: a program at Walmart right now where actually over-the-counter, which means without a prescription, you can get two vials. They're $25 each, um, but you can get it over-the-counter of regular insulin. That is the very first insulin, so it's not going to be as effective as most insulins that people use today. It's uh, more of what we like to term a meal coverage insulin, um, but it's better than nothing. And you can, you know, throw it back in a refrigerator, you know, throw it in a solar refrigerator one day and that might buy you some extra time.
2: So is insulin, can, is that something people can stock up on, meaning they don't regulate how much you buy and when you buy it?
3: That is the only case I've heard of being able to buy insulin without a prescription. And most insulin nowadays are more advanced and more expensive. An insulin pen can cost about $300. And so unless you have that money out of pocket, a doctor's not really able to write you an extra one of those. And you have to keep them in the refrigerator. Once you take it out of the refrigerator and start using it, it's only good for about 30 days textbook. I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, use it longer than that, trying to get it to, to last longer and not waste it. Um, but it does supposedly lose its potency.
2: So why, Effectiveness. I don't know, I don't know the the answer to this. And I, Why don't they make insulin where it doesn't have to be refrigerated? I mean, could they make it in a powder that where you can then, um, put it in a liquid form and then I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That would be great. That way it would be a prolonged shelf life because unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but unfortunately in a a grid down situation, even if you have lots of insulin stored back in a solar refrigerator, that's going to stay at a constant temperature and going to last forever. Eventually that insulin will run out.
2: Which would make sense if they had some kind of power form where you can make your own or something where it can stay in a, in a, in a state where it doesn't need to be refrigerated. I, I don't know. I don't know the science, but that sounds good. Doesn't it <laughs> yeah. sounds like
4: maybe, maybe you can uh, make that in a uh, sun oven.
2: Yeah. I just, well, I just need some, um, some, what do you call people that they volunteer? Yeah. Volunteers that we can try that out. <laughs> could you dehydrate insulin? That's that's in a sense a question.
4: So anyway, so, so let me ask you guys, talking about the medical stuff, what are you probably most scared of encountering in a grid down scenario whenever it comes to medical emergencies? And like, what do you feel like is the most common thing that you're going to come across, but the most scary? Um,
2: Miranda, you go first.
3: My mind, I can't pinpoint on one thing, but mine would just kind of go to things that you have to have a surgeon for. If if you have a major heart attack, you need a heart stint, um, or you might need a coronary artery bypass grafts where they, uh, you know, and that's an extensive surgery. Um, <laughs> you know, gunshot wounds sometimes, you know, can require, you know, extensive surgery. I just kind of go to things like that where you know nowadays something happens we could rush you to the hospital and save you but in a grid down situation without a true operating room we we won't be able to save the person yeah
4: i i think i, well, think I don't is, i don't get the answer you, you will in a second <laughs> wait your okay <laughs> i think that's kind of the uh, the general point that i'm kind of going for here is there's going to be a lot of difficult calls for people um just based on the fact that there are so many different types of medical emergencies that we can encounter, it's not possible to know them all. And and I mean, it's not, it's nothing like a person, but just dealing with even my, my chickens over the past few weeks and trying to figure out what symptoms equate to what disease and what antibiotic to treat with this. And is it viral? Is it bacterial? How do I need to treat it? It's going to become a million times more complex for people. Um, So it's really important to have some sort of basic medical training, but then also have the, the mindset to know that you're going to face those situations and you want to have some good resources, preferably, you know, some good books with some illustrations because Utah, YouTube might not be something that's going to be there for you. Right now you can answer.
2: Yeah. So I was going to say kind of the same lines as what you were saying is when a grid down happens, I think we're a little bit more riskier with our food and our water, which we shouldn't be. But my biggest fear is, is, I mean, you know, the gun, I mean, that, I mean, that's like the worst case scenario for sure, but is, you know, someone getting a, a, could be a cold or it could be a, um, you know, something that, that was in the, in the water that made them sick. And you don't know until a point that, that you don't, you know, you you don't know how to diagnose, and that's why you were talking about books. You know, I got books like the um, uh, what's it called the the Survival Medicine Handbook by Doctor Bones and Nurse Amy. That thing's amazing. So if you have antibiotics, um, which I, I I would think everybody on this podcast listening would know that, you know, fish antibiotics and you know they're they're the same as human a lot of them, and the book helps you with you know you know, diagnosing the, the issue and then how much the antibiotics should, should take and for how long. Now, again, we're not doctors, but these are doctors and a nurse that kind of writes this information that kind of helps you and having having the, the, the antibiotics, and, but not more than just having the antibiotics, you've got to have, know how to use them as well. And that's what some of the books can be helpful for.
4: Yeah. And definitely whenever it comes to antibiotics, it's one of those things where you need to make sure you're checking as far as what you have and what you really need to abide by the expiration dates. Because I know there are particular ones that can become quite toxic if you allow them to get to a point where they're going to expire. They weren't stored properly. Right.
3: Yes. The the most important one of those being the tetracycline family. Um, Doxycycline is a popular antibiotic within that family that when it expires, it actually becomes more potent and will cause kidney damage to the point that the kidneys can shut down and you will you know, die from it in a grid down situation.
4: Yeah. And, it's, and it's so really,
3: but nature provides on that one.
4: It does. And it's one of those things where not just for humans, but also for animals, you want to be really well aware because I know tetracycline is something that you can use across the spectrum for livestock. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones in particular that I've come across. I know it's like a, I want to say amoxicillin, tetracycline, um, gosh, for the life. I've spent so much time reading over this stuff for the past two weeks, just for my, my chickens. That's insane. But I actually got some medicated chick food. I had ordered from Amazon and it came in expired and I'm happy I checked because that particular antibiotic, if it goes bad, will actually kill them. So I ended up tossing all that out, but, God, imagine how much worse it is if you're trying to give this stuff to, your, you know, your child or friend or wife or whatever. You really have to be cautious with that because you're not going to have a doctor there standing over your shoulder to say, is this right?
2: right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. you just going to have a book. and But that's that's why it is important to have a group of people or a community of people because you may not be the medical expert. But you do need some medical experts in in your community or group. And that's why PrepperNet always, you know, um, promotes groups and and a community of people because you do need talent or knowledge from many different sectors of just life. And, you know, a dentist and a doctor and a nurse, I mean, what great asset that would be to have in a grid down where we all can't. I mean, there's not a doctor nurse and dentist to go around to every survival group, but maybe there might be, I wouldn't say go kidnap them, but but (laughs) that would be very bad, but having them, or at least having some of that knowledge in your, in your, in your friend group would be pretty awesome.
4: Yeah, for sure. And I I think You you touched on it briefly, but medical emergencies will come across, you know, they can be across the board. It can be something with your vision. It can be your hearing. Um, Hearing damage is actually probably going to be a major thing for people because if there's ever truly a crap hit in the fan sort of scenario, a lot of people are not going to be paying attention to muzzle awareness. You're going to have a bunch of amateurs out there blowing out each other's eardrums. Um, Dental stuff, uh, you know. If you're stressed out about what's going on in the world around you, you're eating God only knows what, you're not taking care of yourself the way you should be, people dealing with depression, the next thing you're going to have is a huge amount of dental issues. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've never had to have a root canal. I would not want to try and have a root canal because that is not going to happen in a grid down. You're going to have to have that tooth pulled, and you're going to have to have it done without being knocked out.
2: We'll get knocked canal. out, but <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, Kyle, I can give you a root canal. That would be that would be pleasure. I would. I, I, it would be my yep. pleasure.
4: <laughs> well, well, lucky for you, I don't have to worry about that because dental is my specialty.
2: Okay, okay, good. So, um, some yep. of the items. Go ahead, Miranda.
3: I was just going to say one thing that uh, me and my husband do is we actually get our teeth cleaned every three months. That way, you know, if something does happen. We've had a recent tooth cleaning and had our, check te- our teeth our checked. And if there was something, it you know, it would have gotten taken care of immediately. And then that way, hopefully, you know, if something were to happen, we're not sitting there needing a root canal or a cavity or something like that that snuck up on us. So that's one thing that we do to try to stay ahead on that one.
4: Did you Actually, did you- I, will, I will tell you just from my, my, my knowledge based on trying to avoid dentists. Um, probably not what you want to do. You want to probably step that back to at least six months, if not, just go back to a year, because every time you're going in for a cleaning, you're actually scraping away healthy enamel. Uh, So so you're actually actually going to be putting small micro scratches inside the tooth, which is actually going to make it more capable of getting carries. Um, the other thing is, is if you're using like a standard, you know, toothpaste like Colgate or Crest or something like that. It's one of the worst things you can use because they have glycerin in them and they're actually going to be coating your tooth, preventing you from actually absorbing healthy calcium in there because the idea behind the fluoride is that the calcium that occurs in your saliva will work with the fluoride to bond back to your tooth to slowly heal back your enamel. Cause you can heal back your enamel. You can actually still repair a tooth despite what a lot of dentists say. Um, so using a product like that with the glycerin is coated. The calcium and the fluoride aren't really doing anything.
1: Just hmm. get
2: my toothpaste now. Did y'all know that the toothbrush was invented in West Virginia?
4: I find that amazing. Hmm. I just know it wasn't England.
2: Well, it was West Virginia because any other state it'd be called a teeth brush. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Come will get. Oh, oh, I'm going to get some flack there. Have y'all never heard that joke? Sorry.
4: Did you note my silence?
2: Yes. Dude.
4: So just to, just to take a step back, there's just one thing I want to say, because mm. I asked you guys kind of what you fear, and, and I'm going to tell you real quickly what I fear, and, it, and you will see how quickly it cascades into a, a avalanche of poo, is people not having their meds for mental health disorders.
3: Mm. Mm, yeah,
4: because there is a large percentage of Americans that rely on anti-anxiety, anti-depression, antipsychotics, and then you also have a number of Americans who are using drugs recreationally. Not to mention the plethora of other psychoactive drugs that are out there, and then you have things like fentanyl loose on the market. I think whenever the crap really hits the fan we could be dealing with a huge epidemic of mental health crisis and people just going completely off the rails. And not just that, but a lot of these drugs, if someone is just cut off of them without weaning, they can go into seizures. Um, so that, that's kind of my thing.
3: Yeah. And then too, one thing to think about, it, it's not like what I'm really worried about, but, um, is when the grid goes down, we're not going to have proper water and sanitation practices that we used to have. And so a lot of the illnesses that our ancestors dealt with are going to come back, like typhoid fever, dysentery, um, cholera, you know, we'll be out maybe in the woods and getting Lyme disease, you know, things like that, that um, you also need to kind of research and know how to treat. Because those are ones you don't really hear about anymore every day.
2: Right, so so let's talk about items that like um so um I'm a I'm a um and conceal I carry my 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 gun pretty much everywhere I go I do carry a tourniquet with me um, and then I also have an everyday bag with me at least within my my reach of my car or and I'm, you know, when I'm out, I'm somewhat near my car, but, um, so what kind of things do you guys carry in your everyday bag? Um, that, I mean, I mean there's some normal things that we all carry for sure, but anything that is kind of crazy that it that could help people in their And, and, and matter of fact, you know, tell everybody what an everyday carry you should have in there. Yeah.
4: Miranda, I'll let you go first
3: okay um i have a kind of a small little pouch that holds a lot that i have in all my vehicles and all my bags and it, it basically has a little of everything because i want to always be prepared but i have like a tourniquet chest still um sea locks in it for bleeding gauze I, I prefer the domino pads over the uh, the little small gauze pads um it's got like tape duct tape and um Oh, I'm trying to think what else, and then I have like ibuprofen, burn gel. Uh, I'm trying to think what else in it. I have I carry peppermint just because it works as a a great headache relief. Uh, bandages. Yes, peppermint will relieve a headache for me much quicker, like almost instantly, versus like ibuprofen. Hmm. Um, which I carry ibuprofen with me just as backup. <laughs> um. I think, but I, and I just carry those with me all the time. Even like if I go to the beach, you know, I have a tourniquet with me and my friends laugh at me, but if something were to happen, I would be able to make, you know, hopefully step in and be the difference between somebody, you know, you know, living and dying. If I have something on me that can help them.
2: Right. And I think this is, it's, it's good for people to have this and be trained on these things, simple things, even like a tourniquet, because I mean you might not be in a group, but you have a family, you have co-workers and you have friends and you never know when you may have to use these. And I, I witnessed the other day, you know, looking at Kyle's medical kit and it's, it's not, I mean, it's not small.
4: (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I I have a modular system, so everything's kind of broken down into different pockets, uh, different types of emergencies, but I mean i I know we've talked about it before with my everyday carry to my bug out bag to what i carry in my truck to home i kind of have like a redundant resupply system um but that said is for everyday emergencies i'll be really honest uh just for legal purposes i would never recommend anyone without training ever grabbing their everyday bag and trying to you know administer like a breathing tube or a chest seal or, or something that you're not really comfortable and you might be able to. Actually, do more damage than good. Um, just because if something bad does happen, you know, you, you might turn around and get sued for it. So, we, I mean, Correct. I've definitely seen fast.
2: Yes, that, I, I agree with that. But th- there are some laws to protect us in common knowledge care, though. Uh, uh, Moran, you may know a lot the more about The Good
3: Samaritan this. Act.
2: Yeah, so tell us about that because you're probably a lawyer too. We just don't know it.
3: <laughs> the uh, the Good Samaritan Act would kind of protects against like you know somebody's fell over and you start doing CPR but maybe they didn't really need CPR you, you're protected under that now I still wouldn't be trying to like you know give them a tracheotomy where you cut a hole in their neck and shove a pin in you know definitely don't do that um, you're not covered under that um, but it's just very basic stuff that they would expect or not expect but if somebody on the street knew it and did it and they would just fall into the good Samaritanese. They call it minor damage, but it has to be something basic.
2: (laughs) Right. But if it was my family Uh, member, I would do anything I can to save them or yeah, because I would hope they wouldn't sue you. (laughs) Right. And if it's in a grid down my community or my group, if something happens, I would definitely probably try to get second opinions, but do everything I could that of my knowledge extended from you know like a phone call from you know getting help if there there was no help i would do everything i could of the knowledge that i have or at least try to find someone around me that had the knowledge to do things
4: Mm -hmm.
2: i wouldn't even know how to do a trach actually i I do have the pins the pressure the pressure relieving pins or whatever i wouldn't even I, i i do know how to administer them but I, I I probably would never do it. You know what I'm talking about, Miranda?
3: Yes, and I would only ever do that in a grid down situation right. where help's not coming.
2: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, putting a tourniquet around Kyle's neck, I'll do that anytime.
4: I was just going to say, <laughs> if you get caught in the leg, I'd be happy to stab you in the chest with one of those. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It might be the uh, the major pain effect, you know, distract <laughs> with a different pain. Oh yeah,
2: yeah my I'll leg didn't good. leg didn't hurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so Kyle, you carry one in your you you carry one you have one in your in your vehicle, which I have one in my vehicle, and because yeah. of my vehicle, and I know Miranda, you I my one of my big vehicles is almost like an EMT bag, um, minus some of, minus some some of the bigger things that I wouldn't be trained to do, but it is a pretty well-packed bag. And is that what you have, Kyle, or do you have more of just a glorified first aid kit?
4: No, it's there's definitely some good medical equipment in there. You know, part of it is is kind of the hope that uh, eventually I'll find someone to be in my group who actually has some really good medical training so that they can then use that. Um, just in case they don't already have their own, but the redundancy definitely does not hurt.
2: In, in but I,
4: I think I've told, I I told you before, if it really comes down to it, I am either going to cauterize something or spray medical glue on it and wish you the best.
2: Great. Thanks, man.
3: Staples are a good alternative. Also, a lot of people take all the suture classes and this and that, and if anybody's ever watched somebody actually suture, it, it's almost like an art how the the surgeons mm-hmm. do it. And I couldn't even imagine trying to suture myself. Um, so I bought uh, staplers. Yep. I feel like I could uh, push through the pain of stapling myself. And then um, it's actually kind of a uh, painless to remove them. I've been told.
2: Yes. Well, I've got a stapler as well. I've got several staplers because they come sealed in a pack that is, um, sanitized or what do you call it whatever that is um
3: correct they're meant to be disposable they're sterile and meant to be used once and disposed of yeah
2: yeah so I have a whole a couple boxes of them that um and that's probably the method that I would use as well but what I don't have in my kits and I'm, I'm sure Kyle does is I don't have the numbing any numbing agents um I wouldn't even know that's I'm just now thinking of that now um so if I'm stapling you you're gonna feel it
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah a lot of those numbing stuff doesn't work a lot it's more for scrapes like you can get the really high powered lidocaine first aid sprays and they can help some but yeah you wouldn't really want to get near an open cut either (laughs)
2: I guess Kyle has his Jack Daniels or whatever, his moonshine. Yeah, he
4: literally, <laughs> I was waiting for you to pause. I was going to say, yeah, I got a bottle of Jack there. It's, that's pretty much what's going to work. Um, but, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, there are other ways to kind of mitigate pain. Um, you know, taking their mind off of it, honestly, with other stimulation further up the central nervous system. I know with ice and heat, I've heard can work. Uh, you know, breaking their finger. I can try that on you at some point. <laughs> Great. Uh, but I mean honestly there whenever it comes to having pain-free operations or procedures whether it be, you know, on on your body internally, dental whatever, you you're really not going to have that option. I mean, I know that there are some things that people can make and I'm I'm not going to go into that cuz I know a little bit about some of this stuff, but uh w- we'll just say that I would not recommend anyone try to make anything that would make someone pass out because Certain ones of those um, can cause permanent liver damage and death, so you don't want to do that. And chances of finding someone who can put you under to do a procedure are going to be pretty slim. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. So we all carry a Which kit a good- in a car, and uh, go ahead, Miranda.
3: I was going to tag on to that about, you know, you know, I guess an advanced version of this would be to learn different herbal medications because most of our pharmaceuticals were plant derived and they figured out a synthetic way to to then make them in a lab. So if you can kind of learn what plants to, to look for and maybe then plant them in your, you know, transplant them to your yard, you can grow your own medicinal garden to make your own tinctures and salves with
2: yes so how much time should should someone learn um like i know there's there's all kinds of herbs that can i mean that you can take to replace most of your medicines but essentials herbs um good eating i mean there there are um how much time should someone because that's a whole I mean, you could go and get lost in that world and never do anything prepping. So how much time should people spend in that arena?
3: I mean,
4: mean, in in all honesty, it's one of those things where people should know what they're personally dealing with and what family members are dealing with and focus on those particular things, in my opinion. And you don't need to sit down and try to learn everything. You need to learn those specifics and then hopefully you can branch out later on as it's necessary and have some good books on making natural medicines, making salves, tinctures, um, things of that nature. And for as long as I've been into that sort of thing, I'll be honest, it's not a cure-all. A lot of that stuff takes longer to get into your system to really feel an effect. And I've heard people say, you know, hey, like wild lettuce, wild lettuce is a a great painkiller. Um, not really, honestly. There, There's a reason that we have things like ibuprofen Aleve and stuff like that. It does, you know, kick in a lot quicker. Um, and if people are looking for things like, you know, more powerful painkillers, all the studies are out there say that ibuprofen pretty much does just as good a job as any of the major painkillers that are out there.
3: Correct. There's actually a study that has been going on where they are looking at combining where you would take ibuprofen and then wait like two hours and then take a dose of Tylenol and then wait the respected um, hour duration for each one and then take them again. But you would be basically kind of alternating between the two and that it was supposed to be um, as effective as taking morphine without the side effects of morphine.
4: What? Correct. Yeah, ibuprofen is actually processed through your kidneys, uh, whereas Tylenol is actually processed through your liver. So, yep. backing the two of them up is a good way to kind of knock out whatever assortment of types of pains you're having.
2: Yep. So, what, okay, so we got our kit. I mean, so I'll just tell everyone listening that you can get, um, you can buy kits already put together. We know that um, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy on doomandbloom.net or .com, they have some. Also, um, Skinny Medic, um, and what's his um, website, Miranda?
3: Medical Gear Outfitters.
2: Medical Gear Outfitters, filter, filter <laughs> he has some. I would warn people about buying them on uh, Amazon, just because, I mean, people, they buy the cheapest stuff from Am- from China not that things from China are bad, but a lot of things from China are bad when it comes to medical. And you, they put it in this bag and then they sell it for half the price that that Skinny Medic and Dr. Bones um, sell it for. And that's because the stuff is cheap. You don't want to to use a tourniquet for made in China. I've seen time and time and time again that they break and, and not, you know, and just practice applications where we're learning how to do, um, you know, tourniquets—they break, and you don't want one of them. You you don't want to risk someone's life by using something cheap like that. So buy the good stuff. I mean, just know that your life may depend on it. The the things that you're carrying because um, a lot of policemen they'll carry two, three, four tourniquets on them, um, and the reason why two two of them are for themselves. So if they get shot or something, their partner or they can put it on themselves um, and then the other ones are maybe for someone else. But just because you see someone carrying a tourniquet, <laughs> don't think that's for you. That's probably for them. If, if they don't need it, mm-hmm. then they would use it. But buy the good stuff. Would you guys agree with that?
3: Yeah, I've seen uh, and heard stories of skinny medics uh, easily identifying fake tourniquets. Um, And that's one reason I kind of just try to stick to ordering from him or North American Rescue, Um, just because I know he can easily spot a fake. And if he were to, by chance, somehow get one, that he would immediately know that it was a fake. Yes.
2: And and I hear Kyle's chickens. He must be talking to them. (laughs) The a chicken. They're getting a little –
4: I'm keeping them up too late. But, uh, (laughs) no, I honestly just save all the cheap stuff for you. You I actually say, have a bag of
2: just the forest. Oh, so so if I need it, <laughs>
4: great. <laughs> yeah. oh,
3: but to a... uh, tag on to what you said about the kits, um, definitely buy from like people that you named off. Don't go to like Walmart or these other places and buy a first aid kit because most of the time you're just really getting a box of bandages and a few pills, and you could make that yourself so much cheaper with things that you would actually really need. I mean. You know, I think the cheapest first aid kit you can get at stores like 20 bucks. Well, you can go to the Dollar Tree and put together your own first aid kit for a lot cheaper with a lot better things in it and more useful things.
2: Right. Yep. And so you can buy you can find these lists all throughout the Internet of things that you need in your IFAC or you you need in your bug out bag. There are lists galore. So um, so so we're not going to go through the whole list. But just know that um, for your for your for the sake of your loved ones and yourself and your friends, maybe you should consider um, carrying one. So I do have another question. Do either one of you carry like a uh, like a one on your on your person at all times? Like I have an ankle one that I have has a tourniquet and a chest seal, all that the kind of the, the basic trauma but I just cannot get in the habit of wearing that all the time.
4: I honestly do not. I, I keep stuff in my vehicle. Um, the way I look at it, I mean, if I need a tourniquet, worst case scenario, I have a belt. I always wear a belt.
2: Well, can you, sometimes yeah. you can't get a belt tight enough though, Kyle, but, um, but but that's what I'll use around your neck. I mean, around, if you ever get shot, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Brenda. Um,
3: I was just laughing, to you guys. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the same boat as Kyle. I need to carry one, but I don't. I actually bought the the ankle carrier from Skinny Medic at Hairs Life Skills recently, and I haven't put it on yet, just because it's you know it's getting into summer season.
2: Right. But um, yeah, that looks odd but, when you're wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So um, and um. What, what else do we need to cover in the medical area here? Oh, training. How about some training? So I've been to North American Rescue in Las Vegas and, and, and been through their entire trauma training. I've done a wilderness training. Um, I've done two classes in wilderness. One was wilderness one, one was wilderness two. I've done skinny medics training. I want to do Dr. Bones and nurse Amy. And as soon as they start their classes back up, I will, I will definitely take one of theirs because I just want to go see them. They're good friends. And, um, but so I've been to, oh, and I've done stop the bleed. I've done been to first aid. Uh, so I've done a lot of training. It doesn't make me an expert. It just means I've gone through some training. It's hard to practice some of these things, but What's some training or ways that we can learn? I mean, how do you learn, Kyle? I mean, because you're you're not in the medical industry. What, what YouTube videos and practice on your child?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, mostly I will uh just kind of look at videos depending on what I'm I'm curious about. I mean, I, I retain a lot of knowledge just based on things I've been through, uh friends, family, um, pets stuff like that like i mean I, I honestly think the biggest thing that people don't really understand about a, a medical emergency and it comes down to miranda will probably be able to say this is honestly going to be the mindset of not panicking um, and i think that's something that a lot of people are going to have a really hard time not doing um i, would I mean agree that's, and that's kind of my my it, it it does for sure. And I'm not saying sure anyone shouldn't get training, but there are a lot of individuals who even with training will panic. Right. That adrenaline's going to spike, vision's going to narrow, they're gonna forget everything that they were supposed to do. Because training in a controlled environment versus actually going through something, very different cases. And, and I mean like Forrest, you're a great guy. If I need a chest seal put on, I I don't know how well you're gonna be able to execute that. You know what I mean?
2: Well, dude, I've been trained, man. I can do you, that. You, you, you I've can got the that. mindset. I've got the mindset. So let me tell you the train I went through at North American Rescue. The last day, mm-hmm. we're, at the, we're at the door, and we got a team of like five people getting ready to rush in with, li- with li- live victims that with, um, with, have been with makeup and like Hollywood style, with their bones sticking out. You're looking at their leg with a bone sticking out with blood all over them or, you know, or a, a gunshot room. I mean, it's they really did the, the works with the makeup. And, and so we were ready for that. And we're, we're going as a team. We're, we're psyched. And as soon as they opened the door, they threw some flashbangs, some smaller ones. And there were strobe lights and it was smoky, smoke going everywhere inside this building. And we had to go in there and find them. And they literally had someone following each person as we're evaluating people. And I I got to a guy that needed a chest seal. He actually had his chest was literally bleeding from his chest and his clothes were wet and there was a puddle of blood and I had to assess him. And I had a guy monitoring me to make sure that, um, that I was doing, that I did it right. And, you know, the first time it really scared the crap out of a few people, but we got, I mean, but we passed, I mean, I passed and, and I, and I I have military training as well. So I think I could do that pretty easily on you. The the scary thing is, I mean, I could do it easily. The scary thing is if it's my, if it's a family member, that is where things would get a little bit dicey.
3: And you should think that sounds like awesome training and to help with kind of preventing freezing or anxiety is to keep taking that training. Don't just go once and think that, Oh, you're good right. to go. Keep going back
2: for it. Yeah. That costs too much money to do that. Maybe Kyle and I, in, <laughs> yeah. in, our front, in my front yard, we'll get some firecrackers and some ketchup <laughs> and, we, and, we, and we can practice.
3: Well, the great so that's, thing that's about like a, heritage life skills and prepper camp is most a lot of these classes are there where you can go in and you know do some of these things hands on.
4: Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of what I was trying to drive home there with what I was saying is uh, dynamic training is going to be the most important, and just being able to kind of build the mindset because not everyone has it. But there again, that does become the problem is the expense of something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, It's not and cheap. not
4: everyone's going to be able to travel out to Vegas. True.
2: So in 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 mm-hmm. we do have training, you know, that goes on in over 100 cities, well, close to 100 cities every month. And, you know, some months it is medical. Um, and I know in Charlotte, we've got medical. I think it's coming up this week next week is medical. Um I could be mistaken. And I know that, and I mean, we all, and so getting training and, and just after you're, you once you get the knowledge, just doing it over and over and practicing or seeing it, it, it becomes, you know, second nature supposed to. So Miranda, outside of some of your training, have you been to like skinny medics or Dr. Bones or, or stop the bully classes for training?
3: I've attended them through bigger events, such as Prepper Camp and Harry's Life Skills and um, Prepper Net Bug Out Camp. I actually took a class on labor and delivery because I just, you know, kind of threw that out the window. So I took that and got a refresher, but I'm still going to panic if I ever have to deliver a baby.
0: That would be. Uh, but
3: it, did de- it definitely made me feel more confident, though, that maybe I could uh, at least kind of maybe remember what to do, the steps.
4: Yeah,
2: that would be awful to have to deliver a baby in the grid down. Yeah, that would be.
4: Yeah. So. That's why whenever the crap hits the fan, no sex.
2: Yeah, yeah, no sex. Well, Kyle, if you <laughs> ever have a baby, though, I'm there for you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have to stock up on a birth
2: control. <laughs> yeah, no sex. That's, that's Yeah, that's, that's advice from Kyle. Awesome. Mm. So... Um, <laughs> Well, um any any other things that we haven't covered, Miranda, I know you you're the organized one and has a you have a list and make sure we cover everything. Anything we haven't covered?
3: <laughs> um, I guess just kind of trying to summarize it with some action points of you know, taking some baby steps, you know working on you know, start building that first aid kit, looking at what medicines in your family. Or sorry, what, what members in your family take medications? And trying to get extra of those, going and talking to the doctor, trying to get some some extra few months. You know, sometimes people just say, "Oh, you know, there might be a snowstorm or a holiday, and I run out of medicine. And can I just get a, a three months prescription at a time so that doesn't happen?" Um, and then prevention, taking care of ourselves now, making sure that we're preventing injury and sickness and trying to be as healthy as we can so that if the grid does go down you know we're not you know relying as much on medications as you know as much as we can be.
4: Now, we Miranda can- just, just just a quick question if you had a family member mm-hmm. that r- routinely ate multiple steaks in one sitting how would you handle that as far as the personal health? Just saying, like, hey, you know, it's a lot of red meat. Maybe you should, you know, portion a little bit but, better. Maybe maybe throw in some surf and turf, do a little bit of shrimp instead of doing, you know, two, like, 16 okay. ounce steaks. But what that's if, a good
3: thing? Or you can do scare tactics. Okay. But um, what if this
2: family member, that's the only time he eats it is like once a month. But he, when he sits down and he'll eat, just two steaks and just kind of sit, be at peace and just enjoy them. I mean, that's okay. Once a
4: month. That? No, I think that's probably like once a week sometimes, maybe at least every other week. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Sounds
3: like the family number is four.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, thanks, Kyle. Um, that's funny. Hey, I do have this question. So, or answer question and a suggestion. Um, to give extra meds, I always have told people, Hey, if your doctor won't give you extra med- medication, then you need to find a new doctor. What, what would be your solution, Miranda about, or, or Kyle? I mean, if, if, cause people need more than three months worth of medication sometimes, I mean, and it's good to have more. Why don't, I mean, I, I guess there's laws, but why don't doctors trust you? I mean, I take, I used to take, um, a pill for um, my blood pressure. I don't anymore. But why wouldn't the doctor just give me a year's worth? What, I mean, what, how's that going to be harmful? I mean, if I could kill myself one bottle, what's 12 bottles going to do to me? You know what I mean? So I don't understand that. Go ahead.
3: They they cannot write more than 30 days on a controlled substance like pain medicine. Um, And then a lot of it is limited by insurance. Some people will run into that issue where their insurance may only allow them to get a medication filled every 30 days. Mm. And then some of them have a 60, 90, or 60 or 90 day plan. And it just depends on what insurance you have. And then wow. also some medications have to be adjusted, like thyroid medication, even blood pressure medication. You could be taking it one month and it's working great. And then the next month, your blood, you changed your diet. So maybe your blood pressures are now low with that medicine. And the doctor wouldn't know it unless they saw you. And there's a fear that if they were to give you three months supply at a time, you would not come in for that potentially weekly or monthly lab testing to make sure that that is the correct dosage. Um, So but if you can build a good rapport with your doctor and your doctor's like, okay, you are a good patient. I know I can give you three months of this medicine um, and you'll still you'll come in and get your labs checked and we can adjust it. But then you run into the issue of, okay, now your medicine's been adjusted, but your insurance already paid for another medication for that month. Will they cover this medication? Dosage change, because they technically already bought you that medicine. So it's, And then if you have the money, you can pay for it out of pocket, which would negate that insurance issue with getting extra months or, you know, if your dosage changes, getting more medication on top of what they've already paid for.
2: Okay. So Kyle, do you, is there any medication or do you have any suggestions of people that their doctor is not friendly and go, no, I'm not going to write more than 30 days. Or, um, you got any ideas?
4: I mean, you could always just report him to the medical board and say, he tried to touch you, but <laughs> it, it's short of doing that. Short of doing that. I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. One of my biggest issues with a lot of preppers and I've, I've seen this at many, many, many prepper meetings over the years, do not complain about your medication when you are unhealthy and I'm not I'm not saying that to be mean, but there is one thing that you most people forget that in a grid down scenario will kill you very quickly and it's because it's been killing you for your entire life and that is complacency. If you require blood pressure medication or something along those lines and it's something that comes down to you know, you need to lose 45 50 pounds now is the time to do that i mean because you will do it in the future because you won't be eating but if it's going to detrimentally affect your health and it is already affecting your health stop what you're doing quit messing around and just for the people that you care about the people you're prepping for start being responsible for your own health don't worry about going to a doctor take action Just do what you need to do, especially for people out there that are complaining about their knees, their back, et cetera. they're, They're walking around with 20, 30 extra pounds, you know, just just do it and you won't regret it. I
2: agree with that. But, you know, there there are some that can't fully control their some of their conditions. But, yes, I agree. And there's there's. Other alternatives? I don't know if getting medications from Canada and England are against the law or not, but I know people do it all the time.
4: Um, I believe Canada has put a lot more restrictions on what you can and cannot get. I think for the most part, it's been um, kind of closed down. I know me personally, I actually get my contacts and glasses um, over from the UK uh, as opposed to doing a a yearly checkup for contacts. I know People can do that easily.
2: And I will say this, that during COVID, there was some, some medicines that, um, that I thought was important for my, my wife and family. And we, we got a doctor's appointment in from the UK and the doctor prescribed me some medications. And then I got a pharmacist from UK to actually mail me my prescription. They told me that that was not against the law, So, um, um, but yes, I have done that myself, and I've actually, many of my friends have done that. Now Miranda's going to tell us we're going to jail.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that sounds legal, and I mean... I know people that get their medicines from India. I'm not sure what they order from, but they say, you know, it looks exactly the same as the medication that they were getting in America and it comes through customs and is not held up.
2: Yes. And,
3: you know, they thoroughly check those packages for things. And so, however, I was surprised that you can, if you go to Mexico, I've heard people going to Mexico and buying medications, Mm. but um everything I kind of heard was that you couldn't then bring it across the border unless you had a prescription for it. Uh, so I don't know if that's something new that they did or maybe that was a bluff. <laughs> um, Cause uh, I was in Mexico when all this kind of uh, started with COVID and I was like, Oh yeah, maybe I can buy some hydroxychloroquine down here and take it home. And uh, got my bubble busted on that one. So I didn't even try it.
2: Well, that's what I was buying from, from england they were shipping it from india because that's where all hydroxychloroquine is made in india apparently um but um but yes that's where i got mine and and all my family a lot of my family members and a lot of family i mean and friends and they did the same thing i i had the contacts over there and so yeah um we thankfully out of the what i got very little was used so Uh, We didn't take it as preventative. We only took it if you actually got it, which my wife and I did get COVID. And, um, and we did take hydroxychloroquine with, for four days, because that's really all you need to, if you do it right, you need to go by. But anyway, I'm not a doctor. Um, But any, any last words there, Kyle, before I put a tourniquet around your neck? I mean, before we end the podcast?
4: No, no, I, I'm, I'm just going to stick to my guns whenever it comes to medical. I mean, there's definitely emergency things people need to learn, but the uh, the best thing people can do is start taking their health into their own hands.
2: That's that is absolutely I agree with that. And, you know, I'm you know, I you know, I'm not I won't say I'm in good. Show. Do you still like train? I, I, I don't train anymore. I, I need to I need to start working on my cardio is what I need to do. I mean,
4: I I typically do the only reason I'm backing off right now. is just uh, pure and simply because I have the chicks down there. Mm. Um, So it's, (laughs) you know, usually (laughs) 85, 90 (laughs) degrees in there. It's not the most conducive for doing squats.
2: You're so buff. It would just drive your chicks crazy. Is that it? (laughs) It,
4: Yeah, that's you're funny.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, The number one rule is cardio.
2: Yes, and so that's what I am. I mean, yep. gosh, if I had to hike out, well, first of all, if you had to hike with your bug out bag, you're you you that's some that's some poor planning on your your part. But um, mm. but there, that could happen. But man, I would dread that. I hike ten miles in a day, I, I would pass out. I remember Kyle used to hike with like, didn't you like with your your um, plates on? You'd go on a walk, no. And hike.
4: No, I used to put fifty pounds. Yeah, in my bag. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah,
2: I, that's I do, I put fifty pounds of you know water, food. And, no, I'm kidding. So, any anything that we didn't forget, one last time, check around the house. Miranda, you got the notes, I'm sure. <laughs> um, just another tack on to the the
3: prevention is making sure that you have a way to filter water. Um, in your setup plan, and dispose of feces properly to prevent some medical issues that can happen in a grid down situation. Yeah. Um, you know it all kind of ties in together and links back just to uh, getting those set up and taken away or taken care of so something happens, you're not getting dysentery or cholera
2: yeah that's a good point. I mean we've been talking about maybe prescription type drugs, but over the counter um, you know, for diarrhea, for, um, for, I mean, just over-the-counter drugs. There's a a lot of different things for upset stomachs, for pain, for, um, there's so many ones over the counter that you should keep for sure in your pantry or not your pantry, your medicine bag.
3: Yeah. Benadryl is one of them. It's, it's great for swelling as long as, as well as allergies you know burn gel you know we're gonna be cooking over fires and stuff like that if something happens so make sure you have a way to treat burns
4: Mhm. activated charcoal yes yeah Yep. Yeah. well
2: this has been i mean if i was stumbling across this podcast i would listen to the whole thing so well guys thank you very much we finally got this thing recorded and um well, we got Miranda and Kyle, and who's going to be here? The The next week's podcast is on what? Does anybody know? Trivia question. I do oh. not know. I don't know either. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. So we don't know. Join us. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. Probably the <laughs> best podcast out there for sure. So, hey, join us. Um, subscribe and, and, just, and share it with your people in your group and your family members. And um, you can catch us on um, PreppingAcademy.com. That's PreppingAcademy.com. And, you know, and we're coming every week to you guys. We hope you enjoy our content. And with that, I'm going to say good night, everyone. And, well, not good night. They could be good listening this morning, in the morning. Good riddance. So, anyway, thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to the Prepping Academy podcast. Preppers Unite at www.preppingacademy.com.
0: Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.